right, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Now you guys probably have a different translation than what we are actually looking at right now. What we shared earlier. Earlier we read it from the Holman Christian Standard Version. I'm going to read it. from the message paraphrase this time. Remember in the Holman Christian Standard Version, it says we've moved beyond elementary teachings and exercises, right? I kind of like the message. It brings it home even more. And it says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. Grow up. Move beyond the basic finger painting exercises, it says. In fact, it doesn't even say basic. It says preschool. It says you are ready to do real artwork. You are ready to pick up a brush and make a masterpiece. Move beyond painting with your fingers. You're not in preschool anymore. And so, I kind of like how it says it. You are moving on, because that's what we're doing. The theme for this month has been school for our soul, learning to grow in spiritual maturity. And I like the way it said it in the Holman Christian Standard Bible translation. I like the way it's saying it in the message paraphrase. It's saying you are ready to move beyond elementary. The message even says, don't still be in preschool. Don't be a training wheels Christian. Move beyond. Progress and grow. We start as babes in Christ and we feed on the milk of the word. But as our spiritual senses are exercised to know good versus evil, we progress to solid food, to meat. 2 Peter 3.18 says, To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow in knowledge, in what we eat, what we partake in, the amount of word that we study. We no longer focus on memorizing short little scriptures, but instead devour passages of them. 
We do that with, as kids, right? We teach them memorization, little verses. We, t- we get all excited when we memorize a couple of them. We learn things like Hebrews, as short as verse to memorize. When you give kids a challenge to memorize, that's this is Jesus wept. Or John 3.16, because so many people can say it, right? But that's the milk. That's what we teach them in elementary exercises of faith. We're being challenged to move beyond that. And school is now in session. Let us move beyond that to not even just memorizing scripture, but understanding what it means to us and how it applies in our lives. But just how important is spiritual growth? Is it essential to our (laughs) well-being? And is there danger involved and not growing. Now. The emphasis of growing is to grow, to mature in the knowledge of Christ, as it said in First Peter. Or Second Peter. To grow in the knowledge of Christ. Now, what is one thing that we normally assign you what? Work. And what? Books. You normally get a textbook. Well, you got a textbook in this class too. Anyone know what it is? The Bible. And so, everyone have a textbook? Now, I'm taking a math class right now. And we have work and homework that we have to do. And as crazy as it sounds, we have a textbook. And you would, I would think, in math, why would you necessarily always need to read the textbook? But let me tell you, there's equations and formulas, and if you don't read the book, you don't know how to figure it out. There's equations and formulas in our textbook for school with God too and it tells us how to live our lives tells us how to live our lives if we want to be peaceful it tells us how to live our lives if we want to be righteous it tells us how to live our lives if we want to live a life that's pleasing to God it tells us how to walk in a way in which he wants us to so there's formulas and equations and directions in the Bible as well. But we don't always look at that. How many of us have ever tried to put something together without following the instructions or directions? Going, this is easy, I got this. Right? Now, how many of you guys really did have it and could figure it out and put it together? 
How many of you guys had to break down because after you put it together, you realized you had extra parts or it leaned or something, and you're like, wait, this something is not right. And you're like, this does not look at all like the picture. I don't even know what I put together anymore. I'm pretty sure this is not what I was supposed to do. Right? We've been there? Too many times, so that's what we do in our own lives. We make a mess of it because we don't think we need the instruction manual. We got this, is what we tell ourselves. But we haven't been prepared. I was watching the Olympics, and um, one of the Olympians who just won a team gold medal and brought home some of the highest scores on her beam and floor exercises had a habit of saying, I've got this right before she started. But she did not wake up one morning pretty sure that she could do it. Do you know they practice hours on end each day? Logging the same amount of time in practice or more than you would if you worked a full-time job. It's their full-time job, and they spend it training. She is reading the instruction manual. She is being taught how to do stuff. And so because of that knowledge, she can say, I got this. Right? But too many of us, we have no clue what we are doing. We have not read an instruction manual. We have not read the Bible. We have not prayed about it. We are flying by the seat of our pants. And we don't stop to pause and think about in it. We don't think about it. We don't stop to think, oh, you know who could probably help me with this? God. You know who probably said something about this? The Bible. But we don't stop and think about that. The elementary principles of the Christian faith. Now this is talking about stuff like repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And faith towards God is one thing that trips us up a lot, doesn't it? We say we have faith until it's put to the test. But let me be the first to tell you, faith is not belief in the absence of trials. Faith is belief in the midst of trials. When everything is as it should be in your life and it is flowing easy, it is easy to say that I believe God has a plan. And I believe God is there for me. I believe God loves me. I believe God's looking out for me. But let me tell you, as a minister who has been in disaster settings, the first thing people start to ask themselves when something goes wrong is where was God? It's the first thing people start to question. Or why or how could God allow this to happen?
You want to know what tears down many Christians and erodes their faith? Doubt. Because they stopped at those elementary exercises. They didn't worry about progressing. And so their faith in God came in a moment of time and when the world was as it should be and everything was good. And they didn't take the time to make sure that they developed their faith and grew in faith. And so when things got tough, it was chicken little, the sky was falling. It was the end of the world. But true faith stands the test of trials and tribulations. We've studied the scripture a few months back. But if you want a scripture that talks about having faith in the midst of the trials and storms in your life, all you need to look at is the multiple passages that address the disciples being in a boat with a sleeping Jesus. Or the disciples in a boat without Jesus, and he ends up walking on water to him, right? Towards them, right? There were many times where apparently if Jesus was not physically there and awake, they forgot who he was. And they were right there witnessing the miracles that he could do. So it's not maybe a little harder for us who only have the Bible to tell us of the things he's done. But that's where faith comes in. We believe that the winds and seas obey him. The disciples didn't necessarily. After he hushed down the storm, they're like, well, who is this guy that even the winds and the seas obey him? Now, he had done told them. They had done seen it with their own eyes. And still they doubt it. We can see the miracles in our own lives. But it's easy to believe when the miracles are happening. It's hard to believe when the miracles are needed. I mean, they believed that he could calm the storm after he calmed the storm, didn't they? But did they believe it beforehand? No. And there's another time where it was happening again and they forgot. It's kind of like you would see it and you would forget what she could do. And I mean, honestly, he had done so many miracles, but when things got tough, the disciples got panicked. We do that, don't we? It's easy to say, I believe in the plan God has for my life. When your life is going according to your own plan. But the moment it veers or something weird happens or, heaven forbid, something awful happens, it's a little harder to say, I believe in the plan God has for my life. I want you to say it. Say it. I believe, I believe 
in the plan God has for my life. Now, how many of you actually believe that he has a plan? There's a song that we sing. It says, I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. His way is best. You see, I'm in his hands. To grow as a Christian, to move beyond milk and preschool elementary exercises, the first step we need to take is to move beyond some of these basic teachings and to grow in our faith toward God. I want us to go a little further in that Hebrews chapter. Now I'm going to keep reading from the message paraphrase, and so you may want to follow along. So Hebrews chapter 6. Now, he goes over some basic things that they teach them, some things that you learn about when you're new to the faith. Baptism, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Those are all kind of things we're familiar with, right? He says, God helping us, we'll stay true to all of that. But there is so much more. There's so much more. So let's get on with it. Once people have seen the light and gotten a taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's word and the powers breaking in on us, if then they turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. That's impossible. Why? They've re-crucified Jesus. They've reputed him in public. Parched ground that soaks up the rain and then produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener gets God's well done. But if, a produce, but if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. Fields like that are burned, not harvested. Let's look at it from a different translation. Let's go back to the Holman Christian Standard Version we were using earlier. We need to be able to progress forward, not move backwards, right? And that's a warning. This is what this chapter is warning us. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away because by their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. For God... For ground that has drunk the rain has often fallen on it and has produced vegetation useful to those who it's cultivated for, and they receive a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed. 
and will be burned at the end. Even though we are speaking this, dear friends, in your case, we are confident of the better things connected with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and love you showed for his name when you served the saints and continue to serve them. So we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope. <laughs> so that you won't become lazy. But be imitators of those who inherit the promise through faith and perseverance. It's kind of like the saying, you're never done learning, right? We don't just reach a level in our faith in which we are done growing. And in fact, let me tell you something about reading the Bible. You can read a passage multiple times. Each time you read it, you may learn something new and different. That's why growth is important. School. Let us be careful to not turn our backs on it. It talked about those who were once enlightened, who had tasted the heavenly gift, but have turned their backs on God. When things go wrong, it's easy for us to ask, where is he? How could he let this happen to me? Why? It's harder to trust in his plan for our life. And when it becomes harder to trust in his plan for our lives, our faith may begin to suffer. If we don't grow in our faith and move beyond just the basic level of it, if we don't develop deep roots, then we're like a tree that just grows on the surface. There's going to come a time when either a storm will come, but because we're not deep enough, we blow right over. Uproot it. And once the tree's uprooted, you can't just plop it back up and think it's going to sink back into the soil, right? You need to start over. And if our faith gets shaken to the point where we become uprooted in it, we may need to start from the beginning, devouring just milk of the word. But the point is for us to never stay there. And if we can move beyond it, we are less likely to be uprooted. But if our faith has ever been shaken, if we've had a crisis of faith, it may even be unrealistic for us to think we can pick up in our faith where we left off. Not because God won't accept us, but because we may not be preparing ourselves the way we should be. We may be setting ourselves up for failure because we are not developing our faith. We would be doing the opposite. We would be jumping straight to 
meaty foods when we haven't even learned how to chew. <laughs> because sometimes when we have a crisis of faith and we get a little uprooted, we may need to relearn how to chew. But let us be sure to move forward, to move on, to understand our shortcomings, to know where we have gone wrong, and to move forward with the intent of not really repeating the same mistakes. The goal is to learn from our past, not to live in it, not to repeat it, but to move beyond it. If we fail to move beyond it, that's when we run into problems. When we allow ourselves to wallow When babies are just born and they don't take milk, they can get diagnosed with something called failure to thrive. In other words, even the milk is too much for them. It doesn't sustain them, it doesn't nourish their bodies. May we never get to that point. But it can happen if we aren't intentional about moving forward. We can get to a point where even the basic biblical teachings in Scripture don't feed our soul because we have learned to no longer be receptive to it. You know, in failure to thrive, there's a something in their bodies that just prevents it from sinking in. But in our lives, in failure to thrive, there's something in our spirit, in our soul that prevents his word from blossoming and taking root. We sang that song, we are made for so much more. We were made to thrive, to grow. And so the question is, are we? Do we? What are you eating? Are you still in the infancy of your faith? partaking of his blessings and his goodness and his word as a bottle-fed Christian? Are you still in elementary school? Or are you ready to get promoted? Are you ready to grow, to progress, to move forward, to thrive? Because we can only help others 
We can only show others. We can only teach others how to do that once we've learned to do it ourselves. It's like a parent who tries to help their child with homework. If you don't know how to do it, you can't help them, right? But maybe if you take a moment to review the book, the instructions, and glance over it, you can kind of figure it out. Maybe refresh yourself or refresh your mind. Teach yourself real quickly how to do it so that you can help. But you have to be able to understand it to help, right? We have to be able to understand where his faith, where our faith plays in our lives and how strong it is to be able to encourage others. We talked about the disciples in the boat. There's a second time we see the disciples in the boat. Jesus isn't even with them. He has stayed on the island. He starts walking towards them. At first they were scared. They thought it was a ghost. Those silly disciples. When they realized it was Jesus, they're like, he's walking on the water. And Peter says, well, if it's really you, Lord, tell me to come to you. Now, Peter gets a lot of flack because of what happens after. But for this point of purpose, what I want us to realize is the fact that out of 12, how many got out of the boat? One. Out of 12 of them, who had all seen the same things, only one of them even tried to walk on the water. Part of growing in our faith is to get out of the boat. And eventually, we hope that as we grow in our faith, we can even do better than Peter and actually get to Jesus walking on the water. Because, you know, Peter started doubting. He looked at the waves and the choppiness of them. And then his faith was shaken. And that's us sometimes, isn't it? It's all going good until we go, how am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I really shouldn't be out on this water in the middle of a storm. Why in the world am I out on this water in the middle of the storm? Why am I here? And he got distracted and started sinking, right? But part of what I want us to do is not just to get out of the boat as we grow in faith and we'll continue looking at ways to strengthen our faith as we continue this month, but what I want us to do is to get to the point where we can make it to Jesus. We can get there. No matter what the water looks like, even if it's green like it's been in the Olympic swimming pools, we know that God's got this. Jesus told him, come. If Jesus told him to come, 
He should have believed Jesus was going to let him get there. Jesus said to follow him. We need to have faith to follow the path in which he has set for us. (laughs) There may be storms. But we need to trust that he will get us through. We're going to take a moment in prayer. And as we pray, as the song plays and we pray, take this moment to make a commitment to yourself. To grow. Be intentional about it. It's kind of like our yards and plants in this Texas heat. If you're not out there watering it, it it's going to die. You have to be intentional about the upkeep. Let us be intentional about the upkeep of our souls. We're going to listen to a song, and as it plays, take this moment to commit yourself to be intentional. To follow him. Wherever he's leading. To trust in him wherever he's going. The altar will be available if you want to come and pray.